Good morning, everybody. And I guess we can still say Merry Christmas, right? Uh, so Merry Christmas. All right, it's great to be here uh, with you today and just to worship together. Wasn't the worship so great this morning? Can we just thank the Lord again for that? So I love uh, this, this season right here between Christmas and New Year because it's a great time to reflect. A lot of times uh, we're off work, we are uh, with friends and family. Maybe you've got a little downtime to kind of reflect on the last year and to kind of prepare yourself for what is ahead, for the year ahead. And I don't know what is coming this next year. I don't know what's gonna happen in your life. I don't know what's gonna happen in my life. But I do know that Whatever happens, whatever comes, we're going to have to make decisions. We're going to have some decisions to make this year. Some of you are going to have some big decisions. Some of you are going to have some small decisions. Some of you are going to make some financial decisions. You're going to make decisions about your family. You're going to make decisions about your future. You're going to make uh, decisions, some of you life-altering decisions. The question is not, you know, whether we're going to have decisions. It's how are we going to make good decisions? How do we know that we're going to make decisions that honor God and that help us to trust him even more? And so I want to talk to you today about making decisions. I, I read an article this week that said that the average person makes 35,000 decisions a day. I can't imagine. In fact, it went on to say 277 of those are about food. I bet you this week it was double that, probably. Do I have that extra cheesecake? Do I not? I don't know. Uh, yeah, so we're making a lot. And, we're, and we're, some of them are good decisions, some are bad. Not all decisions are right and wrong. Some decisions are just right or left, you know. It, it, but we do make decisions, and those are important. In fact, I heard someone say one time, you make your decisions, and then your decisions make you. And I think that is true. Your life is comprised of the decisions that you make. So how do you make good decisions in this next year? Well, let's answer that. I want you to get your Bible, open it up with me to Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2 is where we're going to be today here just, uh, just briefly. Uh, it, just a little context here for what we're about to read. Last week, last Sunday, I taught about the wise men. The wise men that saw the star, came from the east, uh, went to King Herod, inquiring about the newborn king of the Jews. They found the baby in a house. They gave him their gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And then they left going back where they came from in another direction. They did not report back to Herod. And when Herod found out that they had somehow gotten away from him, that they not give him the information of where the infant child was, that sent Herod into a angry, murderous rage. And he began a plot to kill Jesus as an infant. And that is really where we pick up the story now, uh, chapter 2, verse 13. So this is the word of God. After they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream saying, get up, uh, take the child and his mother, flee to Egypt and stay there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to kill him. So he got up took the child, his mother, during the night and escaped to Egypt and they stayed there until Herod's death so that what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet might be fulfilled. Out of Egypt I called my son. Now run your finger all the way down to verse 19. 
After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt saying, get up, take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel because those who intended to kill the child are dead. So he got up, took the child and his mother and entered the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was ruling over Judea in the place of his father Herod, he was terrified or he was afraid uh, to go there. And being warned in a dream, he withdrew to the region of Galilee. Then he went and settled in a town called Nazareth to fulfill what was spoken through the prophets that he would be called a Nazarene. Now there's a, a lot of moving parts to this story. Herod coming in to kill every child in Bethlehem, hopefully to take out the Messiah. And of course, Joseph being warned to flee to Egypt. This is often called the flight to Egypt. Uh, many uh, people call it that. But really what we see here is God's divine intervention. Here, Jesus was vulnerable to attack and, and so God intervened in a supernatural way to prevent that and to lead his family to safety. Now, it begs the question, does God still intervene like that today? Or maybe another question might be, does God still lead today? Does God still guide today? And I think the, uh, the short answer to that question would be yes, that God does lead us. And as we look in the new year, that God wants to lead you in the decisions that you make. You say, well, why do you think that God leads us? Well, I think the scriptures really show us that God uh, leads. Uh, think about it. Every character in the Bible that did anything for God, they did it because God led them in some capacity, right? Abraham, God led him to have this child of promise. Uh, Noah, uh, God led him uh, to build a boat. Jonah, God led him to Nineveh. Uh, Rahab, uh, God intervened and used her to save her family. You can just, character after character, story after story, you can just open your Bible and stick your finger down and you can probably find a person that God has led. So all the way through the scripture, God is leading us. In fact, in Romans chapter 15, it says these things are written down for us so that we would learn from them and follow him as he uh, led others. And so it's really important. God's word is showing us that he leads, but uh, God's word also promises that he leads. And there are tremendous promises in the scripture that God will lead you. Let me just give you two of them real quickly. See, these are two of my favorites. Psalm 32, 8. The Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and watch over you. Can somebody say amen to that? Amen. Yeah, I'm going to lead you. I'm going to guide you. I'm going to direct you. Uh, another one is Psalm 48, 14. Uh, for that is what the Lord God is like. He is our God forever and ever. And he will guide us until we die. I love that. That God guides us. That God leads us. Unfortunately, though, there are a lot of people that God is not leading. Or that they're not experiencing God's leadership. They're not, they're not sensing God's direction in their life. That's not so much a problem of God doesn't lead as, may, as much as it is uh, we are not following, right? We're not seeking. We're not asking. We're not we're not doing the very things that God is leading us to do. I mean, you can ask yourself the question, am I really seeking God in my decisions? Do I just make it? Do I just do my pro-con list and then I, and I just make my decisions based on what I think is right? Or am I really seeking God's leadership and God's guidance in the decisions that I make? 
God is wanting to lead. God is ready to lead. In fact, every decision is an opportunity to follow God's leadership. Every decision is an opportunity uh, to follow God's leadership. I remember when uh, I was doing college ministry years ago, and uh, we had these long conversations over and over again about how do I know? How do I know? How do I know uh, what what major, how do I, to do? How do I know what job to take? How do I know what person to date? How do I know uh, what, what relationship I should be in? How do I know, how do I know, how do I know? The, the thing I've learned is that the how do I know questions don't just stop in college, right? They stay with us. In fact, you may be in a how do I know situation right now. Well, how do I know if I should do that? Or how do I know if I shouldn't do that? I mean, th- we all face these how do I know decisions, So how do you know how to make the right decision? That's a really important question. Do you know how to do that? And so what I want to do today is give you a very simple model of how to make decisions, okay? Very simple, very super practical. I'm going to give you three questions and a promise, all right? That's it. Three questions and a promise. Every time you're facing a decision, you're facing a decision now, run these three questions to it. And then hold on to this one promise, all right? If you're taking notes, jot this down. Three questions and a promise. Here's the first question. What does God's word say? What does God's word say? Uh, First thing Joseph did in all of the maneuvering that he was doing in the verses that we just read was he heard from God. Now, like I said before, there was divine intervention at play here. Gary uh, Friesen, who wrote a book called Decision Making and the Will of God, great book, by the way, I recommend it. He, He calls this special guidance. Special guidance is what you see in the Bible when an angel shows up, right? Or a God's voice from heaven comes or a donkey talks to you or something weird, right? Uh, that's called special guidance. And does God do that? Has God done that in the past? Everybody say, yeah, God's done that. Special guidance. Could God do it again? Absolutely, right? So special guidance. However, special guidance is rare. Doesn't happen all the time. That's why it's called special guidance, Right? It doesn't happen like that all the time. And so how do you make decisions if you would like to have special guidance? That is, you'd like a word from heaven. You'd like the skies to part. You've got to say, go to Milwaukee, you know? And and you're like, really, God? Uh, You'd like to have special guidance, but you don't have special guidance. Then how do you hear from God? Well, it starts by God's word. Does God's word have anything to say about this? God speaks to us through his word. Now, you've heard me say this over and over and over again. Psalm 119, 105, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my what? To my path, all right? Now, it's kind of like headlights on your car, right? The headlights don't illuminate all the way to your destination. It just illuminates a couple of feet in front of you. And that's what God's word is like. It's going to show you wisdom for the next step. But God's word gives us that kind of direction. We also see this in the New Testament, uh, 2 Timothy 3.16. All scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Uh, The guy that discipled me years ago, he loved this verse and he would draw this out. And he said, Craig, this is how God's word works. First, it teaches us the way you should go. And he kind of draw this line. He said, this is the optimal path. And God's word is going to teach you the way you should go. But when you veer off course from that path, then it's going to step in and it's going to rebuke you. It's going to 
confront you with the, how you veered off the path. And then if you stay listening to God's word, it will actually show you how to correct that path and then to get back on so you can be trained to walk with God in an even deeper way. And so that is the way that God's word works. As you're in it on a regular basis, you're taking it in on a regular basis, that God's word is going to teach you the way to go, correct you or, or rebuke you when you get off, correct you and get you back on training you how to walk with God. That's why it's important to have just a regular flow of God's word. You don't want to be like, all right, with the word of God, then God, what am I supposed to do? You know, that's not the best way to use the Bible, all right? Russian roulette with verses is not a good thing to do, right? The regular intake of God's word, right? You want to be like just a, a big old trout that's in the water, just, just wiggling, facing upstream, opening up your mouth and letting the word of God just flow through you and you never know what he'll bring, right? What, what choice words of wisdom and guidance he will bring if you're staying in that stream of God's word and letting his word flow through you. And so you may say, okay, Craig, that's great, but it's not gonna tell me what job to take. It's not gonna tell me, you know, to marry this person or, or to make these certain decisions. That may be true. You may not find the verse that says Mary, Mary Lou or whatever the case may be. But God's word does provide guidelines for you. God's word does provide guardrails for you that allows you to know what decisions you should make. In fact, God's word has a lot to say about who you should marry and a lot to say about your marriage and a lot to say about parenting, has a lot to say about business and finances. It has a lot to say about every issue of life about temptations and hardship and trial and whatever you're going to face this year, God's word has something to say about it. It's up to you to read it, to find it, to search it out. Now, one thing you want to be sure not to do is to take uh, verses out of context, right? You don't want to take verses out of context and just say, well, you know, here's a verse and then God gave me this verse and so this is the way it is and rip it out of context. I remember the old country preacher that was uh, going to visit one of his parishioners on a very nice ranch and he drove all the way out to the ranch and he walked on, up on the big front porch and then knocked on the screen door. The dogs barked, but nobody answered. Waited there for a while, nobody answered. So he took out his business card and wrote on the business card, uh, Revelation 3.20 and stuck it in the, uh, in the door. Next Sunday, a deacon comes up to him and he's holding this card in his hand. He said, this came in the offering box and I don't know what it means and he handed it to the pastor and it was his card and underneath where he had written Revelation 3.20, someone had written in very nice handwriting, Genesis 3.10. Of course, Revelation 3.20 says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in. Genesis 3.10 said, I heard your voice and I was naked and I hid. <laughs> now listen, you don't want to do that with, you know, making decisions, taking things out of context, right? So that's why you need other people in your life, right? To help you discern, is this what God's word says? And is this matching up with what I need to do? First question, number one is, what does God's word say? Uh, second question is this, uh, where is God at work? Where's God at work? I mean, do you see circumstances in which only providence could provide this circumstance? Do you see God working in, in, 
in providential ways in your life pointing you in a certain direction. You know, this Christmas story was filled with circumstances that only God could arrange, right? I mean, Caesar Augustus gives a decree that moves a couple from Nazareth down to Bethlehem so that Jesus could be born in Bethlehem to fulfill prophecy. Uh, a star comes and men from the east find Jesus and offer gold, which more, more than likely provided the financial support for them to go to Egypt and survive for the time they were there and to come back. Every one of those situations was just obviously God orchestrating it to fulfill his purpose. Now, do you see that? Sometimes you will see in your own life, and I can just see how things lined out a certain way, and, uh, and I see God at work. Now, let me just be really careful about this. Circumstances cannot be the sole way that you make decisions. Some people do this. They go, well, uh, you know, uh, uh, if I get a phone call between, before noon, then I'll know to take that job. Or if, if they offer me X, and I'm going to be sure, I'll know that that's it. Or if there's, a, if there's a sonic near to the office, then I'll see that as a sign from God that, that I'm supposed to do this. You know, that kind of uh, silliness, really. Um, you know, you can't make decisions based on circumstances. Why? Because circumstances can often be misinterpreted. Remember, remember several years ago, there was a social media craze about the dress, the color of the dress, and it was either black or, and blue, or it was gold and white. Remember that? And everybody was chiming in on what color this dress is. Everyone was looking at the same dress, but they were seeing it differently. And circumstances are like that. You may look at one set of circumstances and to one person, red flags are going off everywhere and to another person, it's green light all the way. And so you cannot make decisions solely based on circumstances. You know, some people have what I call an open door policy. That's how they make decisions, an open door policy. Anytime there's an open door, they think they need to walk through it. Five times in the New Testament, Paul and, and Jesus one time speaks about an open door, meaning an opportunity for some ministry or some work. But you don't walk through every open door. 1 Corinthians 16, the Apostle Paul says that God provided an open door for him in Ephesus. And so he stayed in Ephesus because God was opening up the door for ministry. But if you look at 2 Corinthians chapter 2, Paul is in Troas, and again, he says the Lord opened a door for him, a mighty open door for work, but he did not stay there. Titus was supposed to meet him. Titus wasn't there. Paul was concerned about it, so he left to pursue. Titus went on to Macedonia and left that place. Now, why is that? They were both open doors. One he stayed, one he left. The point is, that I'm trying to make here is that just because there's an open door doesn't mean that that's where God is leading. Just because you can doesn't mean that you should. And that's why we need direction and we need guidance. But while you should not make decisions based on circumstances, they can indicate that God's at work. And sometimes you, more in my life, more times I'm looking back. I can see how God arranged situations to lead me in that certain way. I remember years ago, many, many years ago, um, I, I had not been preaching for a long time. I was in an associate role at a church, hadn't been preaching in, in a couple of years. And I got invited to preach at a college gathering. And, and quite honestly, I was very nervous about it. I hadn't preached. I thought, man, I don't know that I'll ever preach again. I didn't know that I, I could. And uh, I was quite nervous about it. And so I, I went and I spoke on some light subject like the sovereignty of God, you know, or something like that. And, 
And I tell you, I, I just, it was God just showed up in this room. I mean, it was the Spirit of God moved in such a profound way. I was taken back. I was overwhelmed by all. And it just so happened to be that there was a person in that meeting that was on a search committee of a church uh, in Oklahoma City. And, and they later contacted me. And I'm like, I'm not going to Oklahoma. I'm a Texas guy. Why would I go to Oklahoma? And uh, I, yeah, so I said, amen. And that is my foreign mission service, you know. So anyway, uh, and, but God, you know, we could see, we could see God at work. Now, now listen, did I make a decision solely based on that? No. I mean, there were a lot of other things that God had to do. But it let me see that God was at work in it all. So the first question is, what does God's word have to say about it? If you're making a decision, have you even sought God's word on it? That may be where you need to start. Secondly, do you see God at work in the circumstances uh, leading you? Right, here's the third question. What is the wise thing to do? I love this one. This is one of my favorite questions. What is the wise thing to do? Is this a wise thing? Would a wise person make this decision? Uh, would, would a person you respect does, make this decision? Does this make sense? J.I. Packer uh, in his book, Knowing God, uh, wrote this. He said, God made us thinking beings and he guides our minds as in his presence we think things out. So many people make decisions based on emotion. Well, I just feel like we should do this. Or I've got a, I've got a, a, a gut check about this. Or I, I, I just have a leaning toward this. And we make so many decisions based on how we feel. I heard somebody say, feelings make a great caboose, but a lousy engine, right? You can't go through life just being driven by your feelings. You have to think things out. And so, are you thinking clearly? Are you reasoning properly? Have you considered all things? Are you seeking godly wisdom? God wants to lead you in godly wisdom. In fact, did you know in the book of Proverbs, the wisdom is personified as a beautiful woman. She's a beautiful woman. And she always shows up where decisions are made. She shows up at the city gate where all the contracts were made and cut. He, she shows up at the crossroads in, Roman, in, in Proverbs 8 where, where you have to decide whether I'm going to go left or right. The godly wisdom is there. In fact, she cries out, listen to this, Proverbs 8, 4. She cries aloud, I call to you, all, to all of you. I raise my voice to all people. You simple people, use good judgment. Amen. You foolish people, show some understanding. Listen to me, for I have important things to tell you. That's what wisdom says. Listen to me. Listen to me. I'm giving you wisdom here. So what that tells me is that in every decision, God wants to give you wisdom. Wisdom is there for you to have it. You can have it. You say, well, great. How do I get it? <laughs> if godly wisdom is in every decision, then how do I get it? Well, I'm glad you asked. Uh, James tells us in James 1.5. Now, if anyone lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives to all generously and ungrudgingly, and it will be given to you. In other words, if you are seeking the Lord and you're saying, God, here I am, I gotta make this decision. Lord, is this what you want? Is this what you desire? Is this a wise decision? Have I examined it in every angle? Have I listened to godly people? Or are you just sticking your finger in your ears and have already made up in your mind what you want and you're not listening? No, no, no. Listen to godly people. 
Listen to wise people who have a track record of making good choices. Listen to them. And follow wisdom. Now, Joseph, I think, made a wise choice here. When they came back from Egypt, he decided not to go back to Bethlehem because Archelaus was there. He was just as bad as his father. And so he makes the choice to go back up to Nazareth. Now, it doesn't say that the angel told him to go to Nazareth. It just says that he went to Nazareth. And so I take that to mean that this was a choice that he made. And I think that was a wise choice. Why was it wise to go back to Nazareth? Well, that's where they were from. That's where Mary's parents were. That's where his family was. That's where he had a job before she was pregnant. That's where he'd probably been working on their house. There was a lot of support there. It was a wise place to go. And God led him in godly wisdom. Now listen, it wasn't the, now once you hear me, it wasn't an easy place to be. There was still rumors swir swirling around about who was really the father of this child. There was still the rumor mill working there. It was so much easier to run away from that. But it was the, the right thing and the wise thing. And listen to me, sometimes the wise thing to do is the hard thing to do. Sometimes the wise thing to do will go against what you want to do. But it is wise and it is right. Now, you think about these three questions. You know, what does God's word say? Where do we see God at work? What is the wise thing to do? These are three filters that when you run your decisions through them will help to shape the direction of the decisions that you make. Now here's one thing I do want to note that notice that the angel when he showed up to Joseph the first time did say, okay, Joseph, you're going to escape right now and then you're going to be there for like eight months. You're going to live in this particular place. You're going to be provided for this way and then you're going to come back here and you're not going to go there but you're going to go up here. He doesn't do that. He just says, get up and go. Wait for further instructions. All right, now you're here. All right, now time to go back. Isn't it interesting that God just guided him step by step, decision by decision and that's really how God guides us. You're not going to get the 20 year plan. And if you created one, it wouldn't be your plan anyway. Uh, it, it, would be, it would be your plan. It wouldn't be God's plan. But God will lead you step by step, decision by decision, as you seek his word, as you look for where he's at work, and as you ask for godly wisdom. Within that, there's great freedom. And God will lead you and God will guide you. Three questions. Oh yeah, I did say three questions and a promise, didn't I? All right, so let me close with the promise. The promise is found in Proverbs 16, verse 9. A person's heart plans his way, but the Lord determines his steps. A person's heart, in fact, let's just say that all together, nice and loud, loud enough for the person next to you to hear you. Here we go. A person's heart plans his way, but the Lord determines his steps. That means no matter what you choose, no matter what decision you make, no matter how you decide, that God is in control. God's in control. This verse is not an uh, anti-plan verse. doesn't mean don't plan. Go ahead and make your plan. Make your strategy. Think, it, think things through. But know this, that God is the one that ultimately is in charge of your life. That he is sovereign, that he's in control, and his plans and only his plans will prevail. Now, folks, that should take the pressure off, right? That should make you go, oh, 
It's not just completely up to me. I do my best. I ask these three questions. I do my best to make the right choices, but even if I step wrongly, God is big enough to correct it. And God is big enough to use even my mistakes for his good. Do you believe that? And so even in this new year, God is sovereign. God's got you. He's in control. No matter what the future holds, you know who holds the future. And that is Jesus Christ. And he is the one that holds you in the palm of his hands. And you can trust him to lead you and to guide you in every decision that you make. I want you to bow your heads with me. Maybe this morning you know some decisions are waiting for you. When you get back to the office, when you see that person again, maybe there's some uncertainty and you know that that uncertainty has to be resolved in some way and maybe you're anxious about the future. You're concerned about what decision you should make. You go back and forth, back and forth. Can you just thank the Lord right now that he's in control? And just ask him to lead you. Ask him to guide you. And maybe this year you want to make a concerted effort to be in God's word. Let it flow through you. To seek his wisdom and even the small decisions of life. To seek to please him in it all. Not to be presumptuous not to be wise in our own eyes, but say, Lord, this year I really don't want to take a step unless you're guiding me. Just ask him to lead you now. Father, I thank you that you love us and that you know us. And Lord, you know that we're frail and we make wrong choices. And that oftentimes we don't listen to you and we run ahead of you. And God, I just want to thank you this morning that you're patient with us. That you really do love us and care for us. And Lord, I pray that In this new year, as we come up to decisions, to crossroads in our life, Lord, that we would see that as an opportunity to trust you and to follow your lead. God, I pray that you would give us wisdom that we need for every choice. God, I pray that you would give us eyes to see where you're at work, Lord. Give us a heart that longs for your word and longs to obey it and not to harden our heart against it. And Lord, I pray as we go into this year that we would just be at rest that you are sovereign over it all. Lord, as we sang earlier, you reign above it all, over the universe and over every human heart. There's no higher name, Jesus. You reign above it all. So we submit to you, King Jesus. We submit to your leadership. We submit to your will. We want what you want. Fill us with your spirit now and lead us into this new year. 
And we pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen.